We started the year looking at, and our theme at the moment has been this, as we start the year, just had this idea that it'd be good to look at what shapes us, what, what, what's kind of shaping our lives, what are we allowing to come into our lives, whether that's intentionally or unintentionally. Like, uh, I remember once, and don't kind of judge, uh, but when I was in Wodonga, uh, young adults brought me some DVDs, that's how old this is, um, to watch a series called The Walking Dead. Uh, it's in a zombie apocalypse, got all kinds of crazy narratives in it, you should watch it. Anyway, I binge watched this thing one time and all of a sudden I felt like I was Rick Grimes and there was a zombie apocalypse going on. So, so what we put in, my point, is that you know, if you start to fill your life with something, all of a sudden it begins to shape how you think and how you do things, even something like um, what we watch on TV and that sort of stuff. Looking at what's shaping our souls, what, what's shaping our spiritual vitality, if you like, our, 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 the effectiveness of our faith, our affection for God, our, our trust in Jesus and our, and our dependency on the Spirit. Like what's shaping all this stuff? And even how our place in this community of people, as, as these new realities are lived out that we've been talking about this morning amongst each other, how are these things how are these things shaping us as we go on? And we looked at, we looked at how cultivating uh, and having a hunger for God's word and pouring that into our hearts and our minds and letting that minister to our inner spiritual life as a believer was a great way to be shaped and something that we should be uh, pushing into. Uh, you know, it shapes us with, with God's wisdom, his character, shapes us with his self-disclosure, shapes us with uh, this, this relationship of grace that he has towards us. And, and then as we do, we get this basis for confidence of, of of, of how we should live and why we should live. It becomes this self-evidenting revelation from God there uh, that we have this confidence in. And then last week, we looked at how we should shape each other. And something the New Testament has on repeat uh, 59 times, uh, this, and it describes it in, this, in these living relational uh, pictures of one another, one anotherness, we called it. And then Steve uh, printed up a really cool poster. I don't know if you've seen it when you walked in. It's on your left-hand side and some, some banners there for us just to, just to have these visual aids to just how uh, prolific this is in the New Testament. The Christian life calls us and it adopts us and it places you into becoming like living members of this beautiful picture that is painted throughout the New Testament. And it, it places us here, it places us in the presence of one another to, to live out this ministry of one anotherness. That's what we looked at. So that, you know, that all that the individual Christian experiences, and we have that phrase, a personal relationship with Christ, but that's not the whole picture what we receive there and what we experience there is then shared relationally with each other, with other Christians to give a bigger picture of what living in relationship with God looks like. This paints this picture of a contrasting community of, of one anothering. It's this living picture. And, and then as it does that, we start to see this language of that's going to bear witness to who we are in Jesus and that picture doesn't get painted unless we want another, unless we gather together, whether it's here, whether it's in little groups at home, whether it's, you know, gathering together around a coffee and things like that. Other people have got to be involved in order for us to fulfill these 59 relational commands that we find in the New Testament. And we said last week that all these one anotherings, all these things are necessarily reciprocal. Like they, they, they don't work if they're not reciprocal. They're two-way relational in nature. 
They are both ours to receive and enjoy, but they're also ours to reciprocate and extend out. They assume community, a community of people who are living under the lordship of Jesus and being shaped by that, and they assume that this community is kind of like this creature of the word, come out of the gospel, so to speak, and that we're being formed and shaped by that. And that's where we were. And so this week we were scheduled to have a look at how God not only uh, paints a picture of what this community should look like, but how God, uh, via the work and the presence of his Holy Spirit, enables each member to become part of that, to become their own artist within the painting of that picture. And then we were going to drop into places like uh, um, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and then kind of looking at it as Peter writes it in 1 Peter 4.8, he says to look at how we above all keep loving one another earnestly with all your abilities and all your gifts. Why? Because that's the evidence that the Spirit of God is now enlivening this community. It's no longer marked by um, the spirit of this age is a phrase we find there like sin. It's now marked by the Spirit of God, by grace and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. I kind of I just kind of rolled off on a tangent there, so I'm just going to skip through. So I think what um, what we want to do this morning, and, and I was going to drop into that and, and do another series, but what as the week progressed and then chatting with the leadership and then just chatting with a few people around the place, what what we thought we might say is 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 this qualitative difference that we've been talking about here uh, that the Bible says should exist as it exists, um, is it seen here? So the idea was that we might um, just hear from people who are in our in our church family so i'm going to get out of the way um, and then allow others to come up and talk about uh, their own kind of encounter of being shaped here and what that looks like so i kind of teed up a few uh, people throughout the week and what we want to find out is is this just a romantic idea that i preach about and the bible talks about or is it actually really happening and, and if it is then we should be encouraged by that and all the more seek to participate in it uh, as we can so um, this we haven't this is not planned this was just an idea that emerged and we haven't rehearsed any of this uh, so yeah as I said I was just ringing and texting and snapchat I wasn't snapchatting no one snapchats here do they um, people oh yeah okay that's how I should have got hold of you then just send a snapchat to you Dylan and yep and I'm not even on that social media platform um, all right so let's just start uh, so the first people who we're going to hear from are Tim and Samara, or Samara and Tim, I don't know which order Noah's teed them up in. Uh, they're our, they, Samara runs our crash, our junior kids, and Tim's involved in our youth, so I'll, I'll leave it in their hands. Hi Freeway, um, Mason's asked me to share how serving in Freeway Crash now known as Freeway Juniors, has been a receiving experience for me and not just a giving one. Um, so I wanted to let you know that serving in Freeway Juniors, or Crash, has been a receiving experience for me. Firstly, um, by visiting the same simple truths and messages that come from the stories in the Bible over and over again. They've had an opportunity to speak into my life. Mason pointed out in his sermon a couple of weeks ago that um, by revisiting stories in the Bible, this builds our confidence in the same God as the Bible and his continuing work in the world. That um, really resonated in me. I feel like this is something that I'm a part of. Um, each and every lesson that I deliver in creation, my confidence is building 
every time. Um, secondly, revisiting these stories reinforces um, in me that each story isn't actually an isolated single story. Each story is an integral part of the amazing whole story of the Bible. Um, for me, sharing the simple truths and core messages from each section of this amazing story with the young children in our church, it just reinforces the message in my own life and often has given me simple and practical ways to live out um, each of these messages. Um, finally, um, it's a privilege that I have to speak these truths of this amazing story into these young people's lives. Really, um, that's the receiving experience I have from being part of this ministry. What the children decide to do or how God uses his word in their lives beyond, it's not up to me and I may never know. Um, and it's not always easy. I feel like I'm struggling sometimes for fresh ideas and energy um, after a busy week of work and family life um, to inject into this program on a Sunday morning. But ultimately, um, what a privilege it is for me to have a hand in sowing these important seeds of truth in young people in our church. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. I'm sorry they can't be with you there today. Um, but thanks for listening. Hey Freeway, sorry we can't be with you in person today but it's good to be with you in pixels at least. So Mason has asked me today to speak on how serving in youth has helped shape my faith and how it's been a receiving experience for me not just a giving one. So when Mason first asked if I'd be happy to be involved in this latest incarnation of a program aimed at youth at Freeway, I was happy to be involved. I'd done youth programs before, both at Freeway and at previous churches I've been a part of. However, this program was different. Previous youth programs I'd been a part of were more outreach programs aimed at non-church kids, which I loved and I felt I was gifted at. But this program is more of a Bible study aimed at our youth kids. So here's the thing. Although I'd grown up in church and had been a follower of Jesus for many years, I was a bit of a lazy Christian. I'd never be, I've, I've never been much of a reader at all. So I simply absorbed and accepted the cliche Christian teachings I'd grown up with. But now that I had to actually teach the Bible... For the first time in my life, I had to get off my butt and take a deep dive into what the Bible actually had to say. Because if I was going to try and guide and teach our younger generation here at Freeway, I really needed to present the Bible accurately for what it really had to say. So I took a deep dive into a world of podcasts and audible books and talking Bible apps. And after that, my life was and will never be the same again. For the first time in my life, the Bible truly came to life and I fell in love with the story, especially the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and how a better understanding of it made the whole epic story of the Bible come together and make sense in its brilliance. But, now, but this newfound information of what the Bible actually has to say often didn't line up with what I had been told it had to say growing up, which forced me into a complete reset or remodeling of my beliefs based on these newfound truths. It's funny, 
I often feel when preparing or presenting a lesson in youth that I'm the one who gets more out of it than anyone else. Hopefully this isn't the case and the Lord is using my presentation of his words to make an impact. So yeah, being involved in youth is awesome. I certainly don't find it easy. It is a lot of work, but the experience has changed and is changing my life which has even led into speaking in front of all of you guys, not just the youth, occasionally, which has been amazing and something I never thought I would be doing. Hmm. It's almost like this was part of Mason's masterful plan all along. Well, if not Mason's, maybe God's. So hopefully we'll be back with you soon and we'll be able to catch you all again soon. Thanks. See ya. Uh, Tim and Samara, they can't be with us today. Protocol, uh, COVID protocols have kept them at home, so they haven't been able to come in. But it's just good to hear how um, how they've been shaped and grown and developed and nurtured in in serving. That's the point there. That, that in serving, it's not just that they've been pouring themselves out, but they've also been receiving and, and being shaped uh, in that space. And how interesting to hear how Tim talked about and we talked about you know diving into the word in the first few weeks and then for some people uh you know just reading and i'm not a good reader which is hard work in this job uh audible books you know and podcasts and there's a whole world out there that allows us to enrich our faith hey we're going to hear from steve now and he's going to talk a little bit about how being in a small group uh has shaped and nurtured his faith and we on thursday night we talked about some other thing that you were going to talk about do you remember what that was Awesome. Yes. Um, I think I do. It's great to see you all here today, and um, hopefully I get to chat to some of you after the service. But here on a Sunday morning, after worship, it's often hard to get a meaningful conversation going, let alone build a real friendship, other than just at surface level. It's hard for people to get to know each other and build a connection sometimes. This is where I think small groups are fantastic. Small groups are a great way to get to know others in a real life level, at a real life level, to grow spiritually through the sharing and study of God's word, to lift each other up and lift each other's real needs in prayer and celebrate their joys through prayer. Jeanette, who's unfortunately unable to be here, she would speak very passionately about some of this. But she joined a ladies' group when we first arrived at Freeway, and I joined it when it became co-ed, and they allowed me in. I say educational because it taught me so much, and I got to know some lovely people at a personal level. Regular study, discussion, and prayer within the group made these fortnightly meetings something we looked forward to. I was also led to strive harder for a regular daily devotion time with God. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> which is what we talked about on Thursday night. And, um, and I'm managing that through various resources, and as I've mentioned to some here, one being first15.org. And it's, um, you can read a short devotion online. You can have it read to you. You can have it on your phone. You can have it sent to you on an email. There's a little tile or card on Church Connect, and you can click on there and go to it. But I find it's very, very handy. So... Um, Attending a small group is another thing on the calendar, but what a life-changing thing it is. 
Not only have small groups been instrumental in a lot of spiritual and personal growth in my life, but they have provided a safe place to share joys, sorrows, anguish, doubts and things of concern confidentially with a group of people who have and will keep praying for me, for us and for each other. And that's priceless. We have indeed been shaped by each other in many ways, shaped through small groups. We still have lifelong friends from our old small group at our previous church and we catch up periodically with some of them for meals and often pray for them for their prayer concerns. We know each other's life story. We know a lot about their lives. So I strongly recommend you consider joining a small group here at Freeway. Feel free to chat to Mason, Josh, or check out our website for more information. Put your name down the back or ask, come and talk to me if you want to. We can get you plugged in and I'm sure you won't look back. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Um, you know, small groups are an investment of time. We are, uh, you know, a time-poor nation as such. And so we're like, oh, man, I don't know. And yet you can hear stories from people like Steve and if anyone who's been involved in a small group that's journeyed over time, that the, uh, the richness of it is always like we receive back sort of thing. So um, I've asked uh, Jana, well, actually, I didn't ask you really... I got Sandy to ask you and um, to come and to talk about her experience of, so she's volunteered um, in uh, the kids' church area of our church, and she's going to talk about how being involved there has shaped her. I've been serving in our children's ministry for just over a year. Now, I'm here this morning as living proof that almost anyone can serve at this church. Am I a Bible scholar? Not really. In fact, being part of Freeway Kids has actually helped me learn more about Jesus in the Bible. I mean, I appreciate Mason's well-thought-out sermons, but you just can't beat an animated story followed up by some annoyingly catchy song that is also paired with your best 80s air guitar moves. You know what I mean? <laughs> do I have some kind of over-the-top passion for children's ministry? I mean, I do like kids, but I'm not like an Emma Wiggles kind of person. Am I a lady of leisure that likes to fill my time by being a model-serving Christian? Um, well, I've got a ton of kids. I work, and if it's not obvious, I am not the poster girl for Christianity. Thankfully, that was Jesus' job. So after all that, you're probably wondering, why do I volunteer? Well, there's three reasons. I love Jesus, I love worshipping Jesus, and I love it when our kids get to witness this. Worship isn't just about praying and singing out of key. Our service to others can be one way to worship, and this includes freeway kids. When I first started going to church about 10 years ago, I watched other people serving, what they did, what they said, and how they relied on God for his strength to serve others. And this service wasn't done at their convenience. A lot of the time serving others was really a sacrifice. Their motive was to bring honor to God and to advance his kingdom, and this is what literally fueled them. I was in awe of their passion and commitment, and I thought, how awesome would it be to be able to participate in that and for our kids to see it? Now, in no way am I saying that I am of that caliber, but we've all got to start somewhere, you know? <laughs> now, it might be daunting standing in front of a room of seven to 12-year-olds, but I can honestly say that you guys have cool kids. We have fun, we play games, I get to know them, they get to know Dylan, 
they ask us questions, we Google the answers, <laughs> and we all get to learn about Jesus together. <laughs> I can honestly say that the worst part of serving in Freeway Kids is getting that laptop to work. So if you love Jesus, love worshipping Jesus, and love making a fool out of yourself, then come and join us at Freeway Kids. Nah, that's good. Thanks, Jana. Jana's early going, oh, I don't know, what I've got. I don't know if I'm going to be any good, but I think uh, that was wonderful. Not a, not, a, not a poster girl for Jesus, because none of us are the heroes of the story, right? Which is what Jana just said. But certainly, like Paul says, we are his workmanship. The actual word is we are his poetry, like he's writing a story in us to a degree. And I think, Jana, you just spoke about that so well uh, just then. And and I think we're encouraged by what you've just said. I'm going to invite Jenny Nelson to come up. Jenny is going to talk about, because uh, also in this series, we've been looking at, and I've just turned this off, sorry, Dave. Uh, We began by looking at being shaped by God's word and, and, and different ways of doing that. And Steve has just talked about different ways we can be shaped by God's word. Um, Tim did, and now Jenny has discovered a, a, a just a, a what would I say? A, is it like it's a, a, it's this, I don't want this to sound like it attracts you, it helps you come in and study yes. being, yeah, cool, nice. I'll let you talk. Hi, everybody. Um, I was really inspired uh, by the, the, the messages that we had on Psalm 119, um, particularly the writer just showed through how much he delighted in getting into God's word. And I, it made me think, you know, how much am I really delighting in getting in God's word? And one of the other things Mason said was, you know, in, in our jobs, in our hobbies, uh, we often get tools to help us uh, with those things. And I thought, well, what am I doing to help me with my Bible study and what's inspiring me? I'm a bit of a crafty girl. I love to do things crafty. And most of you know I'm, I help run a craft group we have here. But um, just prior to Mason's messages, I'd been doing some Googling on how to make templates, which is another little story. But I came across a lady called Lindsay, and she calls herself Lindsay Daycor, and she was doing art journaling in a Bible. And I thought that really attracted me and I watched a little bit more. And I discovered that there's this great Bible you can get called the Illustrating Bible, which is a bigger Bible, but it has big wide sections down each side. So if you like to write, if you like to draw, if you like to paint, if you like to do whatever, as you're reading God's word and it speaks to you, you can then be creative down the sides and I thought that really appealed to me so I got onto Kuron the next day got one of these Bibles and I'm beginning to do my art journaling which I've never done before but it's because I like being a little bit creative it's just another way that it helps me focus more on God's word and I can then do things to um I suppose, create what what God's saying to me, what he's speaking to me, what his word's doing. So for me, I'm finding that a really helpful uh, thing because I, you know, am am more drawn to God's word. And uh, and the other thing I've started 
was that New, New Morning Mercies book oh, uh, as well, um, which has been great. So I'm really enjoying getting into a more intentional habit of reading God's Word and uh, delighting in it. So I just wanted to share that with you. It's not rocket science, but that's what I'm finding for me is working. So thanks. That's the word I was looking for. It creates a delight, and you found a way to, to do that. I was just thinking as you were talking here, Jen, I might have to get one of those Bibles. I spent Saturday morning a couple of hours just sort of looking into a couple of Revelations 13 and 17 for some strange reason. They're topical at the moment, and it just it ended up like that. Yeah, so, yeah, I need your Bible. Just there you go, visual picture. Um, thanks, Jenny. So there's just... Um, but I guess the, the point there is is that as we find ways... Uh, to encourage us to delight in reading our Bible. It's not just some dry, inert thing. Then, then we're drawn more to it. We're, we're, we're kind of more prone to go and to spend time there. Uh, I'm going to invite John Cruz up now. He's going to talk a little bit about how just being amongst you guys has shaped him. So it's not about he went and served somewhere, he read a book, but about, this, about you guys, about this church, and um, great story. Uh, wouldn't, we wouldn't have known each other apart from the people of this church, really, so here you go, my brother. So um, walking in today to church, I walked in with my gorgeous wife, who um, came with three lovely girls who love me and I love them. My head's full of thoughts about this business that's I'm running that's been so blessed that even I can't fathom how well it's going and how that's actually come about. And it really is an amazing picture. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely picture. But compare it to the picture of five years ago, or over five years it is actually, where a dishevelled, unemployed, separated, broken man used to sneak into church doing his best to try and avoid Julian who wanted to always come and have a chat. And as soon as that last song hit was uh, picking up his stuff from the chair next to him to make sure nobody sat next to him and bolted out that door only to revisit it again in a week's time. And when you go, what so what's caused the contrast? And, and the simple answer, and there's only one answer, and it's God. It's a God who brings healing, who brings restoration, and it's his grace and mercy. But he does use people and he does use vehicles, and in this case, one of the vehicles was freeway. And it really started at a pivotal moment for me at a, well, I call it, well, in a worldly sense, you call it a chance meeting, but it was a providential meeting, and it was a meeting that was actually um, meant to happen. A higher power brought us there. In Mason's case, Sandy told him to go buy some locks. Um, in my case, actually in both our cases, actually, because we talked about it, but in both our cases, we believe God moved us at that moment because... Um, it wasn't even my radar that to head to Mitre 10 and I'm sitting there going, it's closed, it's, it's too late and I just kept getting prompted, just, just run the gauntlet, get there, get there. And I got there about two minutes before it closed, I'm racing in to get some stuff that I needed but didn't need and I run straight into Mason. 
and we looked at each other and I just went, oh, here we go. <laughs> anyway, we chatted and then Mason followed up with a text and said it was good to touch base and anyway, from there we um, organised to meet every Friday morning at 6am. And um, anyway, that was going for a while, but, and I was still coming here, still racing in at the last minute, leaving it before it finished. Uh, and then invited Mason to come on my boat to go fishing. And um, as we were just leaving, I just sort of looked at him and said, oh, by the way, I've decided I'm gonna go to another church. Um, Freeway's not the place for me. There's nobody my age, and it's not really where I wanna be. And I'm pretty sure at that moment he would have thought, I wish I had that Remington with me because I reckon if I actually used it, nobody would miss him in the middle of the bay. <laughs> anyway, I did go to another church and after about a month or two, it was a couple of months, it just, it just wasn't right. And one morning I woke up and I thought, ah, blow it. I'm just going to go back to Freeway for a, a Sunday. And as soon as I walked into Freeway and at the end of the day I went, at the end of the service I went, this is where I'm meant to be. It's, this is the place. I mean, this is where God wants me at this time. Anyway, it was um, time to sort of set some roots because I decided to uh, or talk to Mason. I said, look, I really need to sit a, join a small group. For me, I was still unemployed. I was at, I lived in a nice little unit above the marina. I had the water underneath. I had a boat there. But I was on my own and... I was missing being in fellowship with people in general. So I went to this small group and had been going there for a little while. And then this one Sunday, Mason was preached a message that really resonated, really spoke. But as there's the norm, you know, you go home, you do mull over it and that. And by Tuesday I went to small group and that message had sort of still there but it filtered off. And then we were studying James in the small group and that really spoke to me as well and then the two collided really. And Wednesday morning I woke up and I just spent the day reading Romans and I just delved into Romans deeply, deeply and prayed and prayed and a lot of gut-wrenching prayers and it was really the time that was the one moment where I went, you know, this is the purging. And um, when I say it was gut-wrenching, it was really gut-wrenching. And, um, you know, a lot of the prayer, uh, you know, at the end of it, I was going, just, Lord, just hold on to me. Don't let me go. That night, I was sitting in my recliner, Netflix binging, which you do when you're on your own. And um, my phone, I got a text. I got a text from somebody that I hadn't spoken to for nearly a year. And um, this person said, I was just doing my time with God. And um, God laid a message on my heart to make contact with you and say this to you. Um, you are always close to your father's heart. Now I'm sitting in my recliner and that just about threw me out of the recliner through the door into the marina that I lived above because I tell you that felt like God was speaking directly to me and it was an answer to my whole day. And I think this was the moment and the point where real change started. This is the moment where 
the message on the Sunday collided with the study that we were doing on the Tuesday nights in Bible study. This is where the rubber hit the road. And this is where true healing and true restoration God worked started. And it was not long after that, after a couple of years of being in church, that Venlo sat in my pew and we chatted. And from there, well, I could tell you the story, but actually what I suggest is you ask permission for the three girls, if you can watch their wedding speech, they've actually chronologically did the whole thing better than I could ever do it and with a lot more humour. Um, and if they permit you to watch that, that would be, <laughs> it was very good. But the picture today of the person standing here is one that's been shaped by God, destined by God. But freeway has been the catalyst by which he used it. And what I realise is Sunday touch points is a touch point and it's not enough. But the touch point where you, where I was going to the study group was the touch point where it actually allowed me to start sinking in to the community, to be part of the community, that network that allowed me to actually have more people that would actually know who I is, knew, was, knew who, what I was going through. And every Sunday people would come up and how did this job interview go? How did that go? And they were praying for me and they were caring for me and they were pastorally nurturing me. So I give thanks to God for Freeway. I give thanks to God for Pastor Mason and his servant attitude in the way that he serves amongst us. But I praise God for his people that he placed or placed me in amongst. But above all, I pray, uh, give thanks for the way that he's restored, restored my life, but praise God for his grace and mercy and, and for everything that he has given me. Thank you. Thanks, John. So how, how cool is that? Like if Freeway is your home and you've been here for a few years, you're, you're part of a story of redemption. You're part of a story of recovery. You're part of a story of how God used a community of people to bring in, in as John said, a, a broken man back to life. So it's not, it's not just some imaginary thing. It's not just some wished upon reality. You are the people of God. You, you, you are what, what, you know, living stones, a vibrant picture of what God has gathered together here and placed together. And so more and more, as we've been talking about, what's shaping us? You know, are we pouring into our lives all that God has given us through his word and through Christ and through the work of his spirit that we might then in turn go and, and pour into the lives of others? And it's interesting to hear from, you know, Jana and Steve and, and, and Tim and Samara that there's all these little spaces around where, where they're receiving from. And I mean, John's story is incredible about how this place just, it was safe. It was where he could recover. And there's a small group that's safe where he could recover. And, and there's opportunity to talk and to chat about life where, where he can just do that. And any, in any, I mean, I know he's playing all the way along. He's picked up a, a, a lovely wife. <laughs> no, that's not true. Along the way, but there's safety too there because Christians, when they come together, are, are, are safe for each other. 
It's, it's a story that's emerged out of a church. It's not a story that I was, you know, I could preach it week after week, but this morning what we've heard is from you. It's a, it's a good community.